um, I recently went to um, a convention of leaders and pastors from our denomination. We're part of the, the Foursquare denomination. And this past summer, I went to um, a convention where there's all pastors and leaders gathered from all over. And we go there to get inspired and get vision and kind of direction where our denomination is going and how we can reach out to the world more and all of this. And there was a speaker there that spoke. And he's an old family friend, a pastor from Savannah, Georgia. I've known him since I was a little kid. And um, he spoke a message. And I'm always looking to be fed and to, to, to be sharpened and be equipped as a pastor. But also I'm always looking for stuff that I could take back as on video farm and share with you guys that I think would be a blessing to our body as well that would speak to us. And so there's one sermon that I heard in particular by this pastor, Ricky Temple. And he spoke about the different seasons in our life. And he, he talked specifically about Joseph from Genesis chapter 37 and actually all the way, the story goes all the way through chapter 50. But he talked about three different seasons in Joseph's life. And I just thought, you know, how appropriate. We've been going through some seasons in our life, our life as a church, but in my life as a pastor. And so it spoke to me a lot about, he talks about, now, now again, the video I'm gonna show you is he's a pastor talking to other pastors and leaders. So part of it, you're gonna see he's really speci specifically talking towards pastors and it really blessed me. But he also preaches a good sermon that's to everybody, Christians in general, how to live a successful life during the different busy seasons that life throws at us. And we've been talking a lot about peace and about Romans 8, 28 and about finding hope. And basically, I, I've talked to a lot of my friends, they're going through some heavy seasons of their own. I don't know what you're going through, but I know we, we go through life's valleys and stuff sometimes. And when I heard this message, it just spoke to me in that place. And I thought this would be an appropriate time to bring this message to you guys. We just finished our series on verses you can't live without, which is really good. And we're going to start a new series next week about coming home and about our job to be in the house of God and what that looks like. And we're going to talk about how we go out and we bring other people into coming home to the home that God has provided us. And we're going to lead up to Christmas with that. But this is a good time to show this video. So um, I hope you guys are going to be blessed. It's got some really practical stuff. There's a reason for you to get out of bed this morning and make it to church. You're going to be blessed. I pray that the Holy Spirit would just open your eyes and your minds and your hearts to receive what you're going to get. But watch this video and um, you're going to be blessed. Get your notes out and get ready. Let's go for it. Well, it's a joy to be here, family, and it's a joy to share with you this morning. You know, for me, I have been privileged to share a convention a few times, and it's always a joy because I believe that these are the people who change the world. We've seen a lot this week. We've seen a lot about missions, a lot about leadership, and we've learned a lot about ourselves. And I think we've learned one important thing about being Foursquare. It's a wonderful thing to be. Can we say amen? Can we give the Lord a big hand for our Foursquare family and for all that God has done? Now, my assignment today is pretty specific. And I'm supposed to talk about practicals of healthy leadership. And if you know me at all, I am a big believer in being healthy, um, both physically, spiritually, and I really believe it affects everything you do and everybody that you lead and influence. In our study today, I want to take you to Genesis chapter 37, and I want to, if I can, for just a few minutes, paint a picture for you. A picture of a guy. People oftentimes don't remember sermons because they're too complicated. So what I wanted to do was take a look at one person. And so for the rest of the day, you can think about, how many people did I say? One. So we're gonna talk about one person, and his name is Joseph. And Genesis 37 through chapter 50, you can read his entire life. 
story. And from this story, you'll gain some insights. You'll learn a lot about what to do and what not to do. But there are three specific things, three seasons that I'm going to talk about in this man's life. And I want you to repeat these seasons with me, please. Say the dream season, the difficult season, the advantage season. The three seasons he managed in life. The Bible starts out with this incredible story about this man. And I want you to just listen to me as I talk about this man for a moment. Verse 1, Joseph being 17 years old was feeding the flock with his brothers. And the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zophah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought bad, a bad report of them to his father. Joseph is tattletelling on his brothers. Now, if you have siblings, uh, these are the people you beat up in your family. <laughs> Joseph is the kind of guy who tells dad everything. Here's what they were doing. He didn't pick up that sheep. He slammed the sheep down too hard. And so they looked at him and knew we're going to get him later. Joseph, though, believe it or not, was an incredibly loved man, especially by his father. Verse 3. Now Israel loved Joseph more important than all his children because he was the son of his old age. Also, he made him a tunic of many colors. But when, he, when his brothers saw that their father loved him, when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. This is a house full of tension. Dad says, this is my boy, this is the one. Look, I bought him a coat. And so he's wearing this coat and the brothers, now he could afford a coat for everybody, but he bought him a special coat. And so you can imagine Joseph with his coat on. And now watch verse three, I'm sorry, verse four. When the brothers saw that their father loved him, they saw this coat, they hated him and could not speak peaceably. There's always a sharp comment to him. There's always some tension in the house. But then verse five surprises everybody, surprises me. Joseph had a dream and he told it to his brothers. You just wonder, they don't like you. Why would you go to them and tell them dreams? Hey guys, what do you want? I have a dream, guys. And the Bible says they hated him even more after that. So he said to them in verse 6, please, please hear this dream which I have dreamed. Now, okay, you've got these people that don't like your attention. I would be careful of the dreams I'd share. We'll look at verse 7. There we were binding wheat in the field, and then behold, my wheat rose and stood upright, and indeed all of you stood around and you bowed to me. In some families, that's a beatdown moment. <laughs> Verse 8, 
His brothers said to him, shall you indeed reign over us or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more. I mean, this, this hatred is growing in degrees. For his dreams, here's why they hated him. For his dreams and secondly, his words. Joseph's the kind of guy who has these dreams, but he doesn't know how to say them. Do you know anybody like that? Do you know anybody who has a calling that's kind of off? I mean, they really do have a calling. You admit this person can really preach, sing, or whatever, but they're a little bit off. Here's a guy who has a dream, and so he, you know, it's not going well. You think he'd get it, verse 9. He dreamed another dream. And he told it to his brothers and said, look, I have dreamed another dream. I'm sure they were excited. I'm sure they were happy. Oh, okay, what? Now, we, we already hate you once, twice, three times. So he comes to them, and, and, and this time, he said, I saw the sun. Listen, guys, I saw the moon and the 11 stars. The whole universe was bowing to me. This is a brother that does not get it. Have you met these kind of people before? But believe it or not, I'm about to show you in this man's life, who is now in this stage of his life, 17, an incredible sign of health. He was an incredibly healthy leader. Now let me put Joseph over here for a moment and talk about myself for a minute because people have been asking me this question for a while now. Everywhere I go around the convention, people have been asking me because I'm pastoring two churches now. I've been pastoring a church called Overcoming by Faith for 32 years. And it's done very well. God's blessed it. And it's got a lot of people and all that good stuff. And then I was asked a couple of years ago to come and help a wonderful church that I love. And I'm leading this wonderful church called, you've heard of it, it's called the Church on the Way. You're quiet. So those of you who didn't know, now you're shocked twice. But I'm telling you, it was an amazing moment for me. And so I, we do this coast to coast thing where I'm pastoring and preaching in both coasts. So people ask me, so well, how do you do it? Well, here's how you do it. You ready? Get your math ready. I'm in both cities. You ready? Three times a month. So we do one video sermon, and I preach to both coasts by video, and kind of like up there, it's just like that. And so I preach, and I say, hi, this is Pastor Rick Temple. Glad to have you here from coast to coast. We're sharing a word with you today that will bless you from Savannah all the way to California. <laughs> it works. And then I'm live in both places twice. Many of them are streaming in right now from coast to coast. And so it's just been amazing. And here's the deal. I have eight things. I'm answering this one time. Then I'm going back to Joseph. Because a lot of people looked at me and thought, are you healthy? Are you okay? So let me just say it one time so everybody knows how it works. Number one, the first thing you need to do to do anything that's difficult is develop a healthy plan. You need to make sure you have a plan drawn up by a, drawn up now by a team that loves you. So I sat with both teams in both places and, I, and we drew up a plan that, that was healthy. Secondly, develop people who can help you and let them help you. So you need people that can help you, you need a plan, and then let your wife manage the schedule.
so she does all my travel, she does all the booking, she does everything, and so she can tell me where I am. When I talk to people, she'll say, you can't, you're not here. You're there. You're not there, you're here. Do you know where you are? So number one, develop a plan. Number two, develop people that can help you. Number three, let your wife or your spouse uh, manage the plan. Number four, limit the number of outside things you do. Say no. Everybody practice, say no. That's how you live. You say no to stuff. You can't do everything. And then number five, take two days off a week and do nothing important. Two days you do nothing important. You just look at yourself and go, hello. That's all you do. Number six, you ready people, work with me, work out three days a week. We gotta exercise, we have to get in shape. Number seven, here's a big one. Some of you preachers, hold your heart, you can't do it. I challenge you, I hereby call you out into the street and challenge you to take a Sabbath every year for one month. I am off one month a year. I am not. I am not preaching. My wife's already booked cruises. I can't. I can't preach. She's already booked trips. She's just drawn over the counter. Take some time off, and that keeps me sane. So I exercise. I take a month off, and then here's the big lesson: share the preaching. Come on, say it with me, please. Come on, share the preaching. One more big time. Come on, share the preaching. You can't do all the preaching. I have Pastor Dan Hicks, he's here with me, my great assistant at the church on the way. He preaches from me at least once a month, sometimes three. It's wonderful. A couple of Wednesday nights. I don't do it all. I share the preaching in Savannah. I do the same thing. My wife preaches for me once, once a month or so. And I have another wonderful man named Greg Foreman who comes in and preaches for me. And I have a great team. So I have teams everywhere. So everybody helps me. That's why I look so good. Come on, amen. That's why I'm surviving. Now back to Joseph. The reason I, I, I wanted to drop that in was because I think it's important to understand that you can have a difficult challenge, life, circumstance. You can have difficult seasons and survive. I believe you have to pace yourself and you have to see things a certain way. And that's why I love Joseph. There, there, in my opinion, Joseph's story is one of those stories that was incredibly um, easy to see health in because he went from being a 17-year-old son to being a person who was imprisoned for years, sold into slavery, a man who had an incredible journey that was painful and difficult, and he could have lost his perspective. But what was amazing is how he survived it, which showed me how healthy he was. You see, sometimes it's not until you put under pressure that you see yourself. If there's anything I've learned about my life schedule now is I've learned a lot about me. How do you respond when things are difficult? Can God give you something that's bigger than you ever imagined to do? Can he push you up against the wall of challenge? Watch this young man at 17 be pushed up against the wall of challenge. His brothers sell him into slavery. He ends up being a slave in Potiphar's house and he's lied on by her, by his wife. He ends up in prison. And all this happens, and he, he's an amazingly healthy guy. So I want you to write five events down. Five events that could have made Joseph unhealthy, but they did not. Number one, he was betrayed by his family. 
during his dream years. Now that's important. During the season when he had passion and dreams, his family betrayed him. See, Joseph was a guy who had a great passion. He had a great idea. He had great vision. And the brothers couldn't see it. You know, sometimes the kid who talks too much in the family is burning with vision. Sometimes the guy in the church who interrupts you all the time and asks all the questions is a guy that's going to be a missionary. This is a guy we want to send to a foreign country. There's something powerful about this 17-year-old kid who has a dream. I see myself leading all of you. I see myself, you know, you just kind of help guide that. He was betrayed by his family in his dream season. The second thing that could have put him on the wrong track was he was betrayed by his employer. He goes to work. He's faithful in Potiphar's house. And he's, you know, serving. And Miss Potiphar looks at him and says, hey. And he says, hey, you doing, Miss Potiphar? You know, you're looking kind of good there, Joseph. Yes, ma'am. I thank you for that. I try to work out, you know. And, and then before you know it, it's evolved and she's hitting on him. And if you read the story, she hits on him, not once, the Bible said every day. Now, now some people are good for a one-day trial, two days, but, you know, several days. They, God, you understand, this has been too long. But not Joseph. His employer eventually accuses him of attacking her, which is not true. He goes to prison, so now he's in prison. He could have just taken that one incident and said, I, you know, I'm bitter for the rest of my life. My family betrayed me. Now my employer betrayed me. Then thirdly, he's forgotten by his friends. He befriends some guys in prison. He come, they, the guys, you know, he interprets a dream for them. God uses him to bless them. And then one of them gets out of prison and forgets him. It's, it's the only time in the Bible that you have a kind of a meltdown by Joseph. Because Joseph tells the guy, he says, listen, when, now that you're getting out, you know, I interpret the dream for you. I helped you along. Remember me? When you get out, you know, remember me? Mention my name to Pharaoh. Just like every guy gets out, can't remember his name. Until Pharaoh has a dream he can't interpret. Then he says, you know, there's a guy two years ago I met in prison. Two years ago. It's Joseph's his name, brings him up, cleans him up. Joseph, you know the story, interprets the dream for the king, becomes the second man in charge, and he gets an incredible moment that all of us admire. You know, it's always great to see people get over things. All of a sudden, Joseph's now going to be the leader of Egypt, but he could have been bitter because he was forgotten by a friend. He could have been bitter because his employer failed him. He could have been bitter because he was betrayed by his family. But there's something that's often overlooked in Joseph's story that I stumbled upon in studying him one day. He could have been bitter because he was isolated even after he was promoted to being second in charge of, of Egypt. There's a little known, less than observed verse in Genesis 43, 32. So they sent him a place by himself. This is after Joseph's revealed himself to his brothers. And uh, he's told them, you know, they, you know, there's that great story of how his brothers uh, come looking for food. They don't realize that he's still alive and he, he tricks them and harasses them a little bit. And then one, in chapter 43, he reveals himself to them. It's a powerful moment in, in chapter 43, verse 32, where it says, they set him a place by himself. This is when they were about to eat. And them by themselves. 
and the Egyptians who ate with him by themselves. So imagine, Joseph's gonna feed his brothers. Joseph's by himself, his brothers are by themselves, and the Egyptians are by themselves. Now Joseph is the number two man in Egypt. He's number what? Two. Don't we have dreams about what it would be like to be number two? Number one? When I get to be a pastor of a big church, boy, my life's gonna be different. This idea that once you get to this place of promotion, when I get to be up there at Rick Temple, I'm gonna move like that too. You know, you have all these thoughts in your mind about what it's gonna be. I'm gonna make this much money. I'm gonna drive that kind of car. I'm gonna be flying all over the world. He's there, people. But listen, listen to these words. But the Egyptians could not eat with the Hebrews for that is an abomination to the Egyptians. In other words, even though he was number two, they wouldn't eat with him. You know, the promised land is never what you think it is. Don't you remember when you wanted children, for real? You prayed for these people, you prayed, you said, God, please, Jesus, send them, send them. <laughs> this is hilariously wonderful. And now that our children are grown 30, 25. There they are, those two grown people over there. I just love you guys. Stand up, two people who are grown now, who used to, who, give them a big hand. Those are my two people. That's right. That, there they go. That's right. And just for the sake of it, because whenever I get to mention them, I have to mention my wife, because when I saw her, I said, the Lord is my shepherd. I see what I want. That's her. Stand up, Diane, right there. Give her a big hand. That's my baby right there. Now, we pray for these people to come into our lives, but you know, there are seasons when they do things that make you rethink that decision. <laughs> it's not what you thought. It's not what you thought. I remember one time, so clearly, I can tell so many stories just to make the point. Ricky, we were in a store, and Ricky was, um, Ricky was locked himself into the dressing room, and he wouldn't come out. And so Diane comes to me and she says, uh, Rick, he's uh, locked in the dressing room and he won't come out. And so she says, you know, I'm a young father. Son, come out of that dressing room, boy. He said, no. Nope. I said, son, you need to come out of there now. And you know, and the people are a little irritated because they're trying to get other people in the dressing room. He says, I'm not coming out because you're going to beat me. <laughs> Now, son, you know I don't beat you like that now. Come on out of there. Come on, Come on out of there, boy. Come on out. No, daddy, I'm not coming, man, because you're going to beat me, so I'm not coming out, daddy. I'm staying right in here. I said, Ricky, please, I won't beat you. Just come out. Just come out. <laughs> you prayed for these people. You prayed to be a pastor, you prayed to be anointed, you prayed for God to use you, you prayed, but there are times even when you are in the will of God, you have to eat by yourself, so eat your food. Come on, give God a big hand. Come on, you gotta keep on going. Number five, he was not, he's betrayed by his family, betrayed by his employer, he was forgotten by his friends, he was isolated even though he was at the place of success. Number five, people, he was promoted. That's when he could have lost his mind. You know, believe it or not, some people are not bad until they get to the advantage season. 
So you, you can see the dream season, right? The early days, you know, the difficult season, all the time he was in prison, you know, all that time. 24 years from the age of 17 to probably 41 years old. That's a long trial, people. Think about that. Now, he's finally promoted after 24 years of trouble. You know, you can be a little arrogant now. Stick your chest out and say, well, I finally made it. Got me a Mercedes-Benz chariot. Got people following me. And when he comes down the street, they had to bow the knee. Bow the knee! Joseph's coming. I mean, you know, now the temptation is to go by Potiphar's house and make her bow again. Ride back around that. Get down again, sister. Get down. See this ring? See this necklace? See here? Rings is power. A lot of you were fine until you became a leader. You were normal. A little bit of power, a little bit of attention. A few people listening to you. You start talking funny, you start walking funny. And you forget, hear me, the basics. I call it celebrity training. You have to learn how to be important. You have to learn how not to. One of the greatest lessons in life is to is to be in a place where you're not trying to be significant. Jerry Cook spoke the other night, and I, every time I see him, I think of something he said as a life student, and I, I'm, I'm a life student forever. I, even though I just graduated from the master's program, I promise you, I'm a life student in heart and soul. I love the school. But I remember sitting there as a life student, and Jerry said, when he got up, he said, can you, can I just do, have one favor? Can I just get away from having to be impressive today? Can I just be me? I thought, wow. Here's a guy with this big church and his attitude is, don't make me have to be important. Don't make me have to say something to be impressive. Just, can I just be me? Can I just talk to you? And he used to sit in that chair and wear us out. <laughs> Every now and then, you need to back up and say, I'm a celebrity now, so how do I act? And you are. You never had as many people, even if it's 30 people, you never had as many people look at you, listen to you, take your advice, want to shake your hand, hug your neck. You have to learn how to be that person. You can't allow it to impact you. As a matter of fact, I really believe it's poison to you if you allow yourself to become impacted by what you now, what you now do. If you view this as some promotion, if you view some place you're in now as some promotion, I am still a servant. I'm as much a servant as I ever was. If anything, I'm a greater servant. My great responsibility is to be honored to serve God's people and honored to lead. How about an amen? Are you with me, church? That's, that's my honor. So he could have fell out when he was promoted, but he didn't. When he became the second in charge, he had the same spirit. Now I want to close, if I can, with seven simple things that I noticed about this man's life that impress me and keep me with a healthy perspective. Out of all the things you read about Joseph, he never complained. There's no text that says he complained. Are you, are you a professional complainer? Are you, you know, you, you kind of just in a sly way, I'm so busy, it's a lot on me right now. The devil is really fighting me. I mean, is it always like that with you? 
it, it, you know, it's kind of holy, but it's still complaining. You know, it's an honor to be here. It's an honor to serve. It's an honor to work hard. You know, I have to work hard someplace, either here or the factory. This is better than the factory. I'll take it. Come on, amen. This is, a, this is an honor for me to be able to lay my life down for someone who died on the cross for me. I'm not tired yet. I believe he deserves all I have and more, and he deserves me, a person who does not complain. All right, where I come from, let's all clap if, if that's a point you get. Come on, amen, if you're with me. He did not complain. Secondly, he never compromised. The guy was morally focused. He wasn't up and down. He had an opportunity with Potiphar's wife he did not take advantage of. He, there's something about people who stay focused. He never complained, he never compromised, he never held a grudge. In chapter 50 of Genesis, his brothers were nervous after their father died and came to him and said, hey, you know, dad said before he died, just before he died, he said, don't hurt those, gold, don't hurt those guys. Dad didn't say that, but they were worried. And he looked at them and he said something that was so profound, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. He did not hold a grudge. He did not make his life about getting even. Number four, he never uses his difficulty as an excuse. Everybody has a story. A worship leader today whom I met on the bus, I was so moved. I met him and his family on the bus. I, I never knew his story. Everybody, people around you have stories. I lost my mother in 1999 and I was telling my story and I was feeling pretty choked up about my story until one of my elders told me about how he lost four of his family members including his mother's father and two sisters. And I thought, okay, I'm not the only one with the difficulty. And I can't use that as an excuse. You can't use your challenges as an excuse. You can't use anything that's happened in your life. You are called to be a soldier. And Joseph just seemed to understand that. Number five, he never, he, he never allowed his celebrity, which I've already said, to affect him. That to me is one of the things that I, I pray the most. Because as God blesses me, as God uses my life, I, I pray that I would always remember who I serve. Number six, he just never, when I look at his life, he just never seemed unhealthy. If I got really close to your marriage, what would it look like? If we zoomed in to your children, if I looked at your finances, if I looked at your, your overall responses in life to people, to your staff, is it healthy or are you mean? And the last thing was, when I look at Joseph, I ask myself, can I do that? Can I live a life that at the end people can say, that was a guy who was really focused? Can I live a life that says, I don't just start out good, but I end well? He makes me want to end well. He makes me want to take all my challenges and lay them at the altar and say, thank you for the opportunity to serve you, Lord. Thank you for the privilege. He makes me want to be a healthy man. I hope you've seen some tools that will help you today. And I'd like you to join me, if you would please, by standing for just a moment.
And I want you to lift your hands with me in prayer. And I want this to be a moment for some of you that have been unhealthy. Go back home, renegotiate your relationship with your wife, your schedule in your life. Go back to your church and tell them I need to share the preaching. Take some of the load off of yourself. Allow yourself to rest. And three days a week, walk fast and pray. And watch God change your life. Every hand lifted, let's pray. Father, today we thank you for the power of the word of God. We thank you for the power of this moment. I pray that it has helped inspire and encourage people who want to be like Joseph, who want to get through life, make it through their challenges, and honor God. I pray that we live that way in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you, family. God bless you for having me. All right, you guys can have a seat. Was that good? You know, aren't you thankful for the Word of God, for the Bible, in that it's not just a book that tells us how to live, but it gives us examples of people that actually pulled it off, yeah? And real people. And you have Joseph, and you have all the guys that were successful, and you have the guys that were successful in spite of their own humanity, right? Their own sin and their own shortcomings and mistakes. And I love that. You know, I, lo I love the life of Peter, you know, all the great things he did and said for the Lord and yet the times where he doubted and he fell short and the mistakes he made and denying him is just the reality. I love that you can go to the word of God and you can see that there's, there's people that actually lived it out before you. There's examples. And when you get to heaven, these are the kind of guys I want to meet, right? I want to go say, Joseph, good job, man. How'd you do that? High five right here. Come on. You know, I want to meet these people. But that was so good. It was just such practical advice and in our lives and just think about that in this season and I hope you'd actually be inspired to go home and pick up the word of God and get into Genesis 37 to 50 and look a little bit closer at what scripture says in describing Joseph's life and see the lessons that can come true in our lives but we're going to pray right now we actually got out a little bit early how's that bonus yeah so you guys can get out early and get wet right in the rain but um, let's just bow our heads and pray right now shall we Lord God we love you we thank you for being such a good God, Lord, for being the one that empowers us to live that kind of a successful life, Lord. We can't do it just by trying to or having good intentions or, or using our own willpower, but Lord, it's you and it's your Holy Spirit working and moving in us that gives us the ability to live successful lives. And we thank you for the examples throughout scripture, Lord, that, um, that would inspire us and motivate us to live healthy lives in every area. Lord, to survive all the seasons, the good seasons, the, the dream seasons, the, the hard seasons, the easy seasons, the, the times of promotion. Lord, that we would do it well and that we would make you proud. We live again to shine your glory, Lord, to, to let people know that there is something better that's out there available to them. Um, Lord, and, and it's up to us to, to really live that, to model that, and to share that with other people. Lord, help us to... Uh, Take to heart what we heard this morning. I pray that every one of us, I'm sure we all got something different, but that whatever it was that you, you spoke this morning, Lord, that we'd hold on to that, we'd dwell on that, that it would actually change our life, not just give us, you know, a good feeling and go in one ear and out the next, but Lord, we'd actually live on that. We'd hold on to that this week and do what you've called us to do. Lord, we love you. And as we're praying right now, there may be, there may be a good chance that there's people that came to church this morning and you're not in that place where you can honestly say that you'd be able to change your life and receive all that God has for you. Maybe you're just not at a place where you've ever really said yes to God in a real way and, and just kind of officially sealed that relationship. 
but maybe something you heard or saw or felt this morning is kind of causing you to, to maybe reconsider where you're at in life and maybe consider saying yes to God, becoming a Christian, allowing him to do what he can do in your life to help make you a better person, to give you a successful life, to give you peace. Maybe that's the word that you're looking for this morning or freedom from something that you've been just in slavery to or bondage to in your head, in your heart, your life, back issues and baggage that you've been struggling with. And maybe it's just the hope for a better tomorrow. You'd actually wake up every day and feel like you could have a purpose and a reason for getting out of bed and, and have something that you're focused on. Well, God wants to give you that. He's here right now. He's waiting to meet with you. He wants to do good things in your life. And it's not really hard to enter into a relationship with him. It's just taking that step of saying yes and allowing him to lead you. So I'd love to have the privilege of leading you in a prayer this morning that would do just that. Maybe you weren't even coming here today expecting this, but you know it's right. You know you feel something in you just saying, man, I, I gotta try. Nothing else is working out of my life. I, I might as well give God a chance here. Well, the word of God says it just takes the faith of a small little mustard seed to move mountains. And just enough faith for you to say yes to him right now and pray this prayer is enough to start you off in a, in a, in a changed eternity if that's what you're willing to do. So I would love to bring you into that relationship, not me personally, just kind of I'll be saying the prayer, but you're, you're doing business in your heart. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna pray a prayer with you and I'm gonna say it out loud and I'm not gonna ask you to pray it out loud in front of all these people. That might be hard for you here this morning, but God says he knows our hearts. He judges us on our hearts. And then later after service, you can go and confess with your mouth. You can go tell someone, you can own up to it. Hey, I pray that prayer. But right now, let's make it a matter of the heart where you're just coming to God, saying, God, I wanna be a follower of Jesus Christ. I believe in you and your plans that you have for my life. And I'm committing my heart and my life to you from this day forward. It's not the prayer that does it. It's the start of this relationship that you're gonna walk out every single day of your life hereafter as you get to know him and you allow him to, to move in your life. But if you'd like to say that prayer with me, Again, I'll pray it out loud and you pray it quietly. I, I wanna know one thing. People seated around you have their eyes closed and their heads bowed. But if you wanna say yes to God this morning and, and see what he could do in your life, I want you to let me know. I'm gonna count to three, real plain and simple. When I count to three, just raise your hand to tell me, Pastor Carl, I'd, I'd like to say that prayer right now. I'd like to see what God can do with my life. So if that's you on the count of three, if you would just lift your hand, hold it up until I see you, and then I'll lead you in that prayer. So one two, three. Lift those hands if there's anybody here today. I see one hand in the back over here. I'm looking around. Anybody else? Thank you, Lord, for that hand. Anybody else? I see a hand over here. Thank you, God. As I'm looking, is there anybody else in this room, in this place today? Thank you, Lord, for those hands. And if that was you, you can go ahead and put your hand down. I want you just to pray this prayer with me in your heart of hearts. I promise you, God hears it. He will honor it. We'll just pray like this. God, I'm, I'm here this morning. And um, I, I know that you're, you're talking to me. I know that there's changes I need to make. And I'm willing to take this step of faith to trust you, to trust you with my life. God, here's my life. I pray that you would take it and you would make it into something beautiful. Lord, I believe that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to this earth 2,000 years ago to become a man and to teach us and show us how to live and have a relationship with you. And then that I believe that Jesus went to the cross to pay the debt that would be on me, the debt that I would have to pay you and have eternal separation from you and, and go to hell. Lord, I don't want to. I don't want to deal with that. I want to know you. So Lord, I believe that Jesus took that payment upon himself on that cross 
and he paid the price for me as he died. But Lord, I'm also telling you that I believe that on that third day that he rose again, defeating death, defeating sin, all the strongholds and all the baggage and the issues and the guilt and the shame and all that stuff that is in my life, Lord, I believe that you paid the price and you overcame that stuff so that I could have freedom. Lord, I believe that, I receive it, and from this moment on, I'm going to walk that out, Lord, as I get into my Bible and learn more about you. Lord, as I pray, just talk to you, call out to you, start a relationship with you. As I stay plugged into the, the family of God, the body of Christ, that I can be empowered and encouraged and walk through life together with other brothers and sisters in the Lord. Father, as I get water baptized and as I receive the power of your Holy Spirit in my life, and Lord, everything that you have for me, I may not even understand it all. I may not even know all of that, but Lord, here's my first step, just saying yes to you. Here's my life, Father God. I trust you with it. I believe in what you did for me. And Lord, I'm gonna get closer to you as I walk this thing out every day. Thank you for who you are, for what you've done for me as I've said yes to you and what you're going to do in my life. Thank you for the hope that I now have in Jesus Christ. We thank you and we praise you, Father God. In Jesus' name, the church said, amen. Can we praise God for those two people?